0: Story here we started last week, and I'll just recap very quickly as a reminder uh, the story of the crippled that was healed in Acts chapter 3. The Bible starts out telling us that uh, Peter and John went up together into the temple, and at that temple they met a man who from the day he was born could not walk. He was crippled. He was lame. He would not, uh, couldn't walk, so he couldn't work. He couldn't take care of himself. All he could do is to go where people were and to beg, hoping that they'd have sympathy for him. And so here come the apostles. And as he sees them approaching him, he probably saw them make eye contact with him and thought that uh, might, maybe there would be soup in the bowl tonight. But then he heard those words that I'm sure all beggars hate to hear, silver and gold have I none. And I uh, didn't have anything to offer him. The man wanted money, but what he really needed was not money. He needed a miracle. Uh, we, we deal with so many people today, uh, sometimes even us, uh, are in a situation where we, we don't really know what we need. Uh, this man thought he needed money. What he really needed was God to do a work in his heart and his life. Though Peter had no money, he could provide the miracle. So Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man was instantly and gloriously healed. Now, the healed man grew a crowd, or drew a crowd, I should say. Uh, It's always the case, the multitude, the Bible said, was filled with wonder and amazement. And so they always are. The world is bewildered when they see a new life in Christ. When they see a life that's changed by the power of the Holy Spirit after somebody comes to Christ, uh, there's nothing like a changed life to draw a crowd. Now, of course, we know often that draws criticism, but at any rate, it drew attention here. Now, the healed man would not be able to preach, but there was one who was called to preach on the scene, Peter. And Peter took took the chance he had, and tonight I want to look, uh, and get into his message that he gave the folks. Let's read, uh, starting verse number 12. Actually, let's jump up to 11. As the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wandering. When Peter saw it, he answered unto the people. But I just want to make a a, a a little plug here. I love, uh, this is the heart of a preacher. He sees a crowd and he says, man, I think I'll preach to these people. Uh, it's one of those things that uh, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a large gathering and, and uh, think to myself, if I just had a microphone, get up and, and you know, give, the, uh, give, give a gospel message, what a blessing that would be. Well, here Peter saw the opportunity and he took it. We ought to take every opportunity we have to give the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he starts talking. He says you men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob and the God of our fathers hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Peter's one of those soft-spoken preachers that doesn't tell it like it is. You can tell here. He says, basically calling them a pack of murderers. And then verse 16, And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong. Whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did your, also your rulers. <clears throat> but those things which God before hath showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. In other words, Peter's admonishing them. They should have recognized that all these things that came to pass. You might have been ignorant, but you had no excuse to be ignorant, because these things were told by the prophets. They were foretold, and they were fulfilled in Christ. Verse 19 Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And ye shall send Jesus Christ, which was preached which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which shall not... Or which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these things, or these days. Year the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God, having raised up his Son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Father, I pray you'd help us as we dissect this message that Peter gives us, and may we see something in it to be helped to us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. The people were excited, they ran together, and, and uh, this, of course, is what made it possible to address them all at once, and, and they were amazed, which made them ready to listen to what Peter had to say. Uh, Peter wastes no time taking advantage of this gathering crowd. He starts out with a question, uh, basically asking them the cause of their amazement. Why are you so surprised? (coughs) I wonder if he paused for a minute there at that question. By, By the way, in some ways here, Peter's message is the greater miracle than the cure. If you think about who Peter was, what a Chicken liver he was at one time, uh, scared to stand up for Jesus, afraid, uh, stick his foot in his mouth all the time. uh, And here he is, and, and this, by the way, is what the power of the Holy Spirit will do in a person's life. Everything changed. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit came and empowered them. By the way, everything will change in your life as you allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. Uh, But he makes it clear, beginning, that, hey, there's nothing special about me and John. Why are you so surprised? As if there was something holy about us. It was not their holiness or not their goodness, that had anything to do with this man's cure. This is important because of the natural tendency of man (laughs) to take credit. We like to take credit. Peter and John could have, yeah. Look at us. But they didn't. They gave all the credit to Christ. So (coughs) Peter begins by directing everyone's attention to Christ. In this short sermon, he makes ten direct references to Christ. He's turning the attention away from the lame man to Christ. He's turning the attention away from them uh, to Christ. Peter is not going to elevate himself. He's going to lift up the Lord Jesus. Oh, if we could grab a hold of this practice where we always elevate the Lord Jesus and not ourselves. The nature of man is to elevate himself. We like to build ourselves up, like to just, if you don't believe me, read some Facebook posts and that's all they usually are, building the person up. Uh, We are a self-gratifying generation. Uh, I read an article Not that I was looking how to do this, but uh, the title of the article caught my eye, How to Be Miserable. If you really want to be miserable, here's how to do it. Here's uh, some points they had. Think about yourself. Talk about yourself. Use I as often as possible. Listen to what other people say about you. Uh, Expect to be appreciated. Be suspicious. Be jealous. Be envious. Be sensitive to slights. Never forget a criticism. Insist on consideration and respect. Pout if people are not grateful to you for your kindness to them. In other words, you get upset if you do something for somebody and they aren't uh, don't show proper gratefulness. Do as little as possible for others. These are some ways that uh, you can be miserable. If anybody wants to attain misery and wants that list, I can make it available to you after church. Uh, but, right, we don't look to do that, but that's how people find themselves sometimes. What an empty life the self-obsessed life is. How empty a self-life is. We get older, we often see the, uh, realize the futility of a self-focused life. I, I like what uh, one person said, at age 20, we worry about what others think of us. At age 40, we don't care what other people think of us. At age sixty, we discover they haven't been thinking about us at all. Uh, it takes us a while sometimes to get to that point, but that's really the truth. We need to not be so obsessed with self. So now Peter takes it a step further. He moves from uh, his presumed goodness; they are telling, uh, uh, he's, he's immediately taking that off of himself uh, to their guilt. He plunges the sword of conviction into their souls. Why are they standing there so shocked at the healing of this man? Uh, Why should they be surprised? The whole country has been filled with this type of healing for three and a half years. Jesus had been active in the land. Jesus has done more than this uh, over and over and over in their presence. And what did they do to him? They killed him. Peter's not going to mince words here. He tells him exactly what they did. Pilate, he even mentions, was willing to release him. He wanted to release him. But they, the listeners, intimidated Pilate into crucifying Jesus. Peter put them face to face with their crime. There has to come a place in our life where we face our sins. Now, there had to come that place for salvation when we get saved. But there's also no improvement in our Christian life. There's no growth if we don't come face to face with our sins. Realizing our own shortcomings, where we have failed the Lord. One of the uh, prayers that I have prayed often is that God would allow me to see my sin the way he sees it, because we see our sin differently. We even see our sin differently than we see it in other people. The things that you excuse in yourself and you go crazy when you see it in your kids. (laughs) You know, the worst thing in the world is to deal with uh, your sins in your children uh, when they do the things that you do. It really frustrates us. But when we do it, it's, uh, we tend to make an excuse for it. So he takes a, the sadness of it and then the seriousness of it. Look what he says. But ye denied the Holy One just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. Could there be a greater crime? Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was the holy one of heaven. Uh, he was the one who never deviated from righteousness. He could say and did in John 8, 29, I do always those things which please the Father. Even Pilate said of him, I find no in him no fault at all. John 18:38. The dying thief said in Luke chapter 23, verse 41, This man hath done nothing amiss. Uh, he was the one that the Jews forced Pilate to crucify. Peter walked with him for three years. And Peter said in 1 Peter 2.22, he did no sin. These folks that were with him, they saw his life, they saw his daily walk, and they could find nothing amiss in him because he was not sinful. He was perfect. Ye desired a murderer to be granted unto you. He's referring to the choice where they had a choice between Jesus and Barabbas, and they chose murderer could there be a greater crime we look at this and we see the tragedy but truthfully i'm the reason he died too. all guilty of the death of jesus christ it was for me he cried it was for me he died for me he shed his blood upon the tree it was for me he came for me his shame for me oh praise his name it was for me praise god He loved us enough uh, to die for us. We'll just keep it at the pulpit here. The sinfulness of it. Then look at what he says next. And killed the prince of life. Jesus was the prince of life. He's the author of life. Life came from nothing and began through him. He is the sustainer and he was the creator and he is the sustainer of life. There's not a man or woman or child in Peter's audience that day that did not owe their life to Christ, and the same can be said for us, yet they had killed him. The outrage of their sin had to be laid at their feet. Yet they're not worse than we are. All of us, uh, any rejection of Christ is an indication of the same spirit they had. And how often do we insist on our own way and go against the way that Christ has? It's good for us to read the Bible and not get too uh judgmental about people that act like us sometimes. <laughs> read the man, I if you read <coughs> through Moses time we did that character study on Moses a couple years ago through here and uh man, I just I mean, I was reading everything Moses for for uh, months and and uh, boy, I got frustrated at those thick-headed, bull-headed Israelites. And uh they kind of like Baptists in a lot of ways. And so we see ourselves in that. We see uh, our own actions. Uh, they're the people just like we're people. And so before we get too judgmental, let's apply this to us because they rejected Christ. We also in our life make those wrong choices sometimes, so we need to be careful. Now, having dealt with their rejection of Christ, he dealt with the resurrection of Christ. He says, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Now, there was a great debate in Jerusalem Even unto the day here that Peter is speaking, what happened to the body? The Jerusalem Inquirer had all kinds of uh, stories, I'm sure. Uh, What happened to the body? Aliens came and took the body. You know, there's great, interesting Inquirer stories that they have. You see in uh, line out the grocery store. Uh, it had been put in the tomb. They knew that. And then the tomb was empty. They knew that as well. The religious leaders uh, had bought off the guards. Uh, the Bible says, didn't say how much, but for large sums of money. Matthew chapter 28. It's interesting that for the price of a slave, 30 pieces of silver, uh, Judas betrayed Christ. But to buy off the guards, it was a little harder than it was for Judas. They had to give them large sums of money. Verse 4 they faced. Uh, in, in verse 4 of Matthew 28 it talks about the guards being faced with an angel that and the Bible says they shook with fear but evidently they feared the Roman leaders more so they went with the lie the disciples stole the body Peter makes clear here in this message we did not steal the body but we did see him it says we are witnesses among these witnesses of the risen Christ were the disciples, themselves. By the way, the disciples are a great proof of the resurrection because they are the ones that didn't believe in it at first, but themselves. They told the women who came and told them about it that uh, they're crazy, essentially. Jesus is dead, but uh, did not believe, and now they did because they saw him. They witnessed him. By the way, men don't die for a lie either, and these disciples gave their life. To the end of their life, uh, they talked about witnessing the resurrection, and we see not only the proof of it, but the power of it. Verse 16, in his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. They had crucified Jesus, and God had raised him. Now, in his name, salvation is offer, uh, offered to men. This was a time in which Miracles were used to authenticate the message. That's why Jesus did miracles. Jesus did not do miracles just to show off his power. In John 20:31, talking about his miracles, he said, "But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that you might believe and have life through his name." The whole point of a withered healing a withered hand is to prove that God can also heal a wicked heart. It's the point of miracles. Jesus wanted to show who he was. Now we come to the book of Acts, and Jesus was still at work. The things that he had taught and done in his material body is now uh, still being continued in his mystical body, the church. The miracles are an evidence of God's power to transform lives. Later, Paul would tell the Corinthians that he was all about preaching Christ crucified, and to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25, the Bible says, but the foolishness, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, the weakness of God is stronger than men. See, we have these two wisdoms. You have the world's wisdom and you have God's wisdom. Now, obviously, this is a comparison here. There is no foolishness in God. But uh, if you take the least of God's knowledge, it's more than the most of ours. Is the basic of the, the, the God's weakest point is so much stronger than us. Uh, not that he has weak points, it's just a comparison thing here. Uh, but in the eyes of each of these wisdoms, the other one is foolish. Now, follow me on this, because we make a big mistake as Christians. Worldly wisdom looks at what you do as a Christian, and it's foolishness. You go to church three times a week. That's craziness. You give 10% or more of your money, you've got a family, you've got bills, you've got needs, and you give money, that much money to the church. That's crazy to the world. To the world's wisdom, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, the world looks at our values and calls them foolish. <clears throat> now we can look at the world in its supposed wisdom and see the foolishness of temporal success. We will look at the world and say how foolish it is to sacrifice everything that's eternal for something that's temporary. So in the eyes of each one of these wisdoms, the other is foolish. Now, therein lies our problem. We as Christians often make the mistake of thinking that we have to appear wise to the world to reach them. What am I talking about? Well, I'll just give you a couple examples. Music's one of them. Look at the... Uh, look at Many, many churches today that adopt the world's music in order to reach them. Uh, They they have music that sounds like the world, looks like the world. The people that sing it look like the world. They act like the world, trying to supposedly reach the world. We don't need to appear wise or to become like the world to reach them. The whole point of being a Christian is that we offer an alternative to what the world has to offer. What kind of message does it send if I tell somebody, listen, sin will bring you nothing but misery, living a worldly life, godless lifestyle will bring you nothing but unhappiness, but I want to be just as much like you as I can possibly be to reach you. It doesn't, it's not a good message. Church is trying to emulate corporate philosophy, trying to reach people. So we don't need to become wise in the eyes of the world the Bible says no 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 you are going you don't have to get to the level of the world to reach them you're going to be foolish to the world they're going to be you're going to appear as foolish to him but then God recognizing that what we do is foolishness in the eyes of the world says it is through that foolishness that will reach people so the foolishness of preaching we win the loss It's amazing he would not. Uh, have you go out in the world's wisdom, but in his wisdom, the foolishness of preaching. Uh, preaching of what, pray tell? Preaching of the word of God. Because after all, this is what makes an impact in people's lives. This is what makes a difference in people's lives. We're talking tonight about uh, the Holy Spirit in discipleship and and uh, Psalm 119.11, uh, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. The word of God is the power in our life. And so uh, this takes the pressure off of us. It takes the pressure. Off. I don't have to be a certain way to reach somebody. All I have to do is give the gospel. And so Peter recognized that. Paul recognized this. And uh, something that we also have to be uh, recognized in our life. Just be a fool for God. Put yourself out there and uh, get the word of God out there as well. He talked about the prophecy uh, of, of, uh, of the fact that Christ should suffer and has been fulfilled. Uh, now, brother and I walk through ignorance, you did it as also did your rulers, but those things which God have shown in the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer has so fulfilled. And so he's saying, Look, you're ignorant of it, your rulers are ignorant of it, but it's a tragedy because it was foretold. Everything that happened was foretold. They were ignorant. Of the scriptures, <clears throat> now the ignorance did not mean they don't need to repent. Just because he said that, uh, I he said, I understand that it's through ignorance that you did it. But uh, just because they were ignorant of it doesn't mean they need to. Re, they don't need to repent. But praise God, just because they were involved in it does not put them beyond redemption's reach. That's a blessing. Can you imagine? I have to think Peter. Peter was a man. Just like all of us. Uh, he was subject to like passions, just like all of us. It amazes me that Peter is able to give these people yet another chance of salvation when they killed the dearest person in his life, Jesus Christ. They're responsible. What's he doing? You can still get right with God. You can still accept Christ. He is still available to you. What a blessing. Uh, what a great uh, example this is for us <coughs> because there are some people... We should never get to the point in our life where we just kind of consign them to hell because of how they are. We ought to always be uh, making an effort to reach people. The Jewish people prided themselves in the knowledge of scriptural, but much of their knowledge was philosophical, and there was no real wisdom there. In fact, remember Jesus asked Nicodemus when he was talking about being born again, and Nicodemus seemed confused, and Jesus said, Are you a master in Israel and you don't know these things? Uh sometimes we can be so uh, so smart, book smart, that we missed the forest for the trees, and that's kind of what was happening here for these folks. But they, uh, they were doing what we do sometimes. We look at the Bible, and we kind of interpret it the way we want to. <laughs> uh, they were looking for a Messiah, but they wanted a militant Messiah. They wanted one that would smash Rome and, and make Jerusalem the capital of a new world empire. They were looking for a ruler, and God sent them a redeemer. They were looking for a sovereign, and God sent them a savior. We need to be careful that we read the word. Uh, if they had opened their Bible, they would have seen the prophecies. They had to basically reject Isaiah 53 to not see this. But again, we're guilty of this as well. This week I was talking to somebody. One of our, our men uh, was emailing me. A bit. We were talking back and forth a little bit about a guy that was using 1 Peter 3.21. I won't get into it now, but... Uh, about trying to <clears throat> prove that you have to be baptized to go to heaven. It's through baptism that we're saved and, and uh, using that verse to back up his baptismal regeneration idea. The problem is that the gentleman approached that verse uh, to pick out and back up something that he already held, a belief that he already had. The truth is, if we take the Bible at its face value, it'll mess up a lot of our theology <laughs> that we have, uh, that we think sometimes. We need to just take the Bible as it is. The Jews did not understand the two comings of Christ. And this explains the confusion that they had about these uh, scriptures here. And so Peter wakens them up to their responsibility. Ye are the children of the prophets, and the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. That fact only made their sin all the worse. There was no excuse for their murdering of the messiah if anyone should have known who jesus was paul is saying it should be you they weren't uh, still were unable to see it or unwilling to see it unto you look at the how he closes it out in verse 26 unto you first god having raised up his son jesus sent him to bless you and turning away every one of you from his iniquities here's the wonder of it all god gives him another chance not a blessing. The, the, we cannot fathom the mercy and grace of God. They could still be saved from their sins. Uh, God was willing to bless them rather than curse them. They had to, of course, turn to Jesus, whom they had formerly rejected, but whom God had raised up. Such is the message still today, just as it was the message then. God can still forgive. I love that Peter is not bitter or too bitter, too angry to preach the truth to them, these that had killed his Lord. I love that he's still giving them the gospel, but I, uh, more than all that, love the fact that Jesus Christ still is willing to forgive them. God is still willing to extend his mercy and grace to such rabidly undeserving people. The truth is, that's us, too. We're undeserving, every one of us. And he extends his grace to us. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's share that message with somebody.